Welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Conversations with business expert authors to learn about the author, their expertise, and to help you find your next read. And now, here's your host, best-selling author and CEO of Influence Network Media, Jody Brandsetter. Lamroy, welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about lifting up. But before we talk about the book, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Jody, thank you for inviting me for this opportunity to get this space and share about a book that I've become an author with a group of other inspiring authors. It was a great experience. So just a little bit about myself. I'm actually the chief consultant and lead for my own company, which is Lynn Ray Jones Enterprise. And what I do, I've narrowed it, but what I do is really help organizations really proactively and strategically address diversity, equity, and inclusion challenges and opportunities. We know that employers want talent and they want talent that has strong cultural competency. So I help those individuals and I believe that we're stronger together. I've worked for colleges and university over the last 20 years, specifically in the area of career services. And I've had a commitment with diversity, equity, and inclusion since my undergraduate years. I also speak on professional topics like etiquette. I also consult with companies on talent acquisition and just really help companies in the leadership area and the change process. Some of my very specific areas of expertise, I would probably say just the knowledge and experience of diversity, equity, and inclusion area and my ability to speak, present, and then also facilitate some subject matters that are going to be really tough. And I'm also just a person that's a lifelong learner. So I really believe in the strength finders concept. And if you looked me up and looked on my LinkedIn, you would probably find that I'm a learner, belief, responsibility, proactively seeking positivity and achiever. And then I'm a strategic thinker as well. So those just a few things about me. So Lenroy, tell me just a little bit about that entrepreneur journey. What was the driver to maybe go from working with colleges and universities within that career services area to then saying, nope, I want to do this myself and go out on my own? I think the one thing that happened as I got in the area of career services specifically, because I have a background also in the residence life area, traditional affairs, leadership, Greek, student organizations. So I've done a lot of different things, even faculty senate. But I believe what happened is as I got into career services, I began to have companies that came to organizational functions that we put on. So programs, workshops, and they had great needs in the talent acquisition specifically to try to diversify. And I wanted something outside of the university at the time and invested time into kind of doing some benchmarking and created Lenroy Jones Enterprise. And that's been probably almost 20 years or so. Ironically, I'm out. I have some freedoms and I've enjoyed being able to do that. I do miss being in the higher education space as well as working with the companies inside because I didn't charge when I was working at the university. That was hard to do. I wanted to have integrity and just represent the university, but having my own Linda Jones enterprise that gives me an opportunity to be that chief consultant, that person that is able to come in and really do specifically for that organization. Wow. I love how you started it while working and then we're able to kind of expand it from there. Cause I know that a lot of entrepreneurs are able to do that, to kind of get into that entrepreneur spin and be able to kind of hit the ground running with still having some stability, but also it sounds like you had that love and passion for the higher ed area as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So let's talk about lifting up. So I know that my business partner, Melanie, talked to you and said, hey, I think you should be a part of this book. I know it's our Women in Business series. So it's always kind of like, oh, Lenroy, you want to be a part of the Women in Business series? (laughs) Obviously, you're not a woman. Um, And so I would love to know what drove you to be a part of this series and what excited you about just becoming an author as well. Yeah, thank you. I actually met Melanie at a networking event and she, you know, networking, you follow up with different people and we talked and in speaking, found out about my background and thought you probably could be a great candidate for my podcast that I have. So she invited me on and part of the preparation, we began to just share kind of projects that we were working on. And one of the projects that she was working on was this women in business series. I said, tell me more. And as she was sharing more, I kept thinking about this is an area that men could contribute. Then kind of not selling myself, but just planted a seed or maybe I watered it. I don't know. But I took a shot. I said, you should consider having men authors. And and this is why. I gave her the rationale. And the rationale was simple. You have a glass ceiling. You're trying to what? As women, you want to crush it. You want to destroy. You want to break it. You want to make sure that every opportunity that's out there, that men may dominate, that you have an opportunity to do that. And I said, there are men that are also allies to women. And that was my business case that I presented. And I said, you really, you want men to get a voice in this and share And she was like, okay. And we kept on going back and forth. Little did I know (laughs) that it was almost like a little interview there that she was checking me out about, okay, we haven't done that, but let's talk about it. And that came up later about me joining in. And of course I was like, well, someone else can do it. Cause I was in the midst of, you know, presenting a couple of conferences, writing some things. I had some business going on. I was doing some interviewing. I was really busy. And so I said, no, (laughs) but I did ask other people. I gave her other individuals that she could look at. And then she came back and it it ended up happening. It ended up happening. She made a compelling argument and the timing for me professionally, it was just the right thing to do. I already have one other book that's actually not in print, but the manuscript is all done. But this here, it was just an area that I thought, yeah, I've spoken on mentorship. I think last year it may have been seven times at different groups. The question about why being an author, why I write a book. For me, I remember when I first had an opportunity to do a column and I declined it. And the reason I declined it, I didn't think at the time that my knowledge base in my breadth of experience and depth of experience was enough to put my voice on print in this case, or even do these types of interviews. Could I talk about a slice of things? Absolutely. But to me, the breadth and depth wasn't there. I offered 25 years and overall about 30 plus years in an area of work, body of work that I've done. And I know I'm considered a thought leader in the career services area, the diversity, equity, and inclusion area. I've grown to really have individuals appreciate my voice and experience that I bring in the lived experience, but also the appreciation that I have for evidence-based type of decisions. And then leadership, I was a military person. So I'm a veteran. I spent quality time there, you know, leading troops, putting together troops, being responsible for a $30 million operation at one point, actual drill funeral. I was responsible. I was actually the operating officer in the event he had died. And that didn't happen under my watch, but I have the operation orders for that. So I've done a lot. And now I feel, yes, I think it's time to put pen to paper and share. 
Absolutely. I think that's one of the downfalls we have sometimes is that we don't see our expertise because we do it every day. And it's hard for us to acknowledge it. But wow, I mean, your career is so amazing, Lenroy, and you absolutely deserve to put pen and paper and tell people what you're doing. Because, you know, to me, everyone has a voice, but some people have this experience backing that voice that makes it even more powerful. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And I love that you brought the mentoring piece to the women in business series, because that is such an important aspect to helping really anyone, you know, excel in their career is having strong mentors. I know I've had strong mentors that I talk about all the time. So talk a little bit about, you know, your chapter, what you kind of brought into it, maybe just like a little summary. Yeah, this was a really neat chapter. I took a lot of time and care to think about how can I give the reader a solid understanding of the role of a mentor and protege? And that's what you get. And I would go so far to say it's a good blueprint for any leader seeking to start a mentorship program, either formally or informally within their company or organization. And I kind of shared in the beginning, and and now I'll I'll go ahead and share this quote that I came up with as I went through this journey for this chapter is deciding to be active in a mentor or and protege relationship will not only be easy, okay, So it's not not easy, but remember there's no self-made men or women because we all have stories. We have the good, the bad, and the ugly on this road of becoming a champion. And so when you read that in the book, you can understand that the foundation here is that, hey, we all need someone. No one rises to the top alone. And I share some stories in the chapter to give some insight to the reader. I love that you talked about it as being a blueprint and that it can create an informal or a formal mentoring program. I was having a conversation with a CEO and we were talking about mentoring programs and how impactful an informal mentoring program can be. And the one thing I talked to him about was, well, if you do it informally, you need to have it embedded in your culture so people know that they can look for a mentor. Because I think sometimes louder voices are heard than, you know, maybe the introverts, or if you don't have the diversity and inclusion piece. So what are some things that you think a company who wants to do this more in an informal setting to help them set up success? So it's not just a few people who are getting to experience it. It really is something that can be inclusive. I think the leader, chief executive officer, the C-suite team, they have to make sure that your return on the investment, the bottom line, making your profit, right, and your goals quarterly, you're looking at that. But I think you also have to pause and say, have I reached out and touched anyone that's never going to come into the C-suite? Possibly when you give away the five-year pin, the 10-year pin, the 15-year pin, the 20-year pin, not just do it at a ceremony, but maybe, you know, lead by walking around and go and talk to that person and then ask those questions. Do a non-scientific study. I don't share about that in the book, but just going more into it, I do share in the book more about how I go about doing that. And then I share some success stories and I also share some not so success stories because I had a person that was in the C-suite at one of the universities that I did ask and the person said no. And it was pretty debilitating. So I talk about you're going to have some rejection. So C-suite being able to lead by example by walking 
talking around it being written down because what's written down is the thing that gets measured. So it says to them that you really do want this to happen. And so the informal process, it does work. The formal process, I think works even better, but empowering people, it depends on the culture. That's why this, I believe, is part of leadership. When you look at mentoring, protege, it is really part of leadership. I also love that you talk about the protege because I feel like a lot of times we only talk about what the mentor needs to do. So what are maybe one or two tips that you would give to someone who's like, I want to be a protege. I want to find my mentor. What are like two things I should be doing to make sure that I'm getting something out of it, but I'm so helping my mentor too. Yeah, I think one, get the book, buy the book. But in the chapter, I conclude the chapter with a call to action. I was very intentional that I didn't want to just give information, but I wanted to to do a call to action. And I had someone recently that actually did a, a review of the book and they shared about the call to action. So I said, hey, what I want you to do is take two or three of your current or past mentors and I want you within 24 hours to reach out to them and thank them. I want you to thank them within 24 hours. So they had a timeline. And then I also talk about SMART goals. So SMART goals are specific, measurable, achievable, and they are relevant and they are time bound. And so I said, develop two goals, but you're putting in place something, having accountability of yourself. You're making this a priority. And I just think the call for action is going, and those are just a couple of points. It's some more to the call of action. But I think overall, I really was intentional about know what a mentor can do, understand the value of a mentor. Know the difference between a formal mentoring program or opportunity and an informal one. And so I walk you through that and then know who makes a good mentor for you. And so I share that. And also rejection is going to happen. So that's a little bit more than what you wanted, but I just got a little bit excited just to talk about what you're going to get out of that chapter. And then that call for action to me is priceless. It is, you know, just to give you a personal story, I had yes, a mentor. I, I had a mentor who took me in. I'm from Indiana and I moved to Cincinnati and I've never lived in a big town like this before. And she took me in and really helped me understand the city, the people, the history, helped me really understand, you know, where I was, why I was there. And it was actually, I was working at a mentoring program, funny to say, but you know, she was my rock. I mean, I helped her with doing events for other organizations organizations. Like she was just this person who I just adored and she adored me too. Like we had this love for each other and you know, life happens, right? And I had a baby and I started a business. And so we tried to meet up with her kind of during COVID because she hadn't gotten to meet my child yet. COVID kind of faltered. And then I got a message that she has Alzheimer's and is now in memory care. And I was so mad at myself for not managing that relationship better. But I got there, I sat with her and she remembered me and we had a lovely conversation. And I'm like, thank God that someone took the moment her daughter actually took the moment to reach out to me and say, Jody, I just want to let you know, mom's here now. And I'm like, when can I see her? Can I see her? You know, like I need to be a part, you know, continue that relationship for as long as I can. And I'm glad I did, but it's that thank you, you know, like yes. it's almost like you got to do it every six months or every, yes. you know, yes. because you don't know when, you know, people will leave or things happen, but you definitely want to continue to remember and, and be be a part of that relationship throughout your career, in my opinion. Well, thank you for sharing that because I too had someone that actually transitioned before I could follow up with him. 
fortunately, I was always in conversation with him, but lost track for a few months. And within that few months, he retired and then he transitioned within six mm. months, he was gone. And so what you're bringing up is not in the chapter the way we're talking about it right now, but is definitely something that I know will be in future writings, future books, because it is so important to do your due diligence with individuals. And that's why the call for action at the conclusion of the chapter is in there to not allow that chapter to be in vain. Uh -huh. That if you say, I'm going to do the call of action, I'm going to go forward, it's going to end up happening. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Lenroy, this has been a wonderful conversation. I truly enjoyed talking to you about this. I'm sure that our listeners would love to connect with you. So before we finish up our conversation, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Well, the easiest way is LinkedIn, and there's not a lot of Lenroy Joneses out there. You can also email me at lenroy.jones at gmail.com is another way. I'm in the process right now of building out a presentation and also speaking on this topic specifically from the chapter to help organizations and companies really do this and individuals. It may be an organization, maybe a nonprofit, but just really want to help been a thought leader in career services. I'm looking at being a thought leader now. So I would love to hear from your listeners and how else I can help. Awesome. Well, I love hearing that there's more conversation, more stuff coming from you about mentorship. So Lenroy, thank you so much for being part of the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate the invitation once again. Thanks for listening to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode with a friend. In the meantime, join our business author community where you can connect with other business authors and learn about becoming an author at authors.influencenetworkmedia.com. Until next time.